from Grundahl. Kingsley turns that fire sideways. Brian, the gate is down. This is a sharp left-hander. Who's going to shot? Looks like Darcy Lange on that Richmond Gallon. Kawasaki gets the jump. That's where it all started. Big MX Radio, brought to you by Meta, is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. Fly Racing, Bills Pipes, W Wheels, Motul MX, X-Brand Goggles, Moto Ice Wrap, and Moto Stuff make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Arma Energy Drink Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by Meta. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With us on the line, a couple of my two favorite guys in motocross, none other than uh, Mike Sweeney and uh, Tony Blazer. How's it going there, Mike? Going good. Going excellent. Uh, I'm actually watching the mystery that is Major League Baseball. It's uh, the powerhouse Boston Red Sox somehow getting shut out by one of the worst pitchers in the American League. Uh, meanwhile, their best pitcher has given up five runs to one of the worst offenses in the league. So, <laughs> you never well, know. It's the wacky world of sports, you know. Yet, uh, not too too many days ago, we had uh, um, um, fisticuffs, something you'd see at a hockey game uh, in the in, in the the infield of a baseball game. So uh, anything can happen on the diamond where uh, eleven eleven Dominican Republic uh, players can make magic. That was a hell of a punch. I, I think any NHL player would have been proud of that one. I'll tell you. Oh fuck uh, yeah! That was he connected with that one. Like that's <laughs> uh, all of he, he got all of it on that one. Uh, that Joey Yardfield. That's so true. Um, but uh, also with us on the line, he is a motocross historian, uh, probably knower of all names. If I could pull up a picture of pretty much anyone on two wheels, he'd probably be able to uh, tell me who it, uh, who it is, uh, unless it's some, some obscure Canadian guy. Uh, he goes by the name <laughs> of Anthony Blazier. Tony, how's it going? Very well, thanks, Brad. Thank you both for coming on the show, and I'm hearing both of your voices, so we must be doing some sort of review, preview, and uh, and, and that's exactly what we got going on. The summer series is upon us. The, the winter series is gone away. Uh, the on-offs and, st- and uh, treacherous whoop sections of, uh, of last weekend are long since behind us. Now we look forward to rollers, giant triples, and uh, frankly, races that uh, for the most part are over after the 20-minute mark. Um, Tony, i uh, got to ask you, uh, rolling into, uh, coming out of the, the winter series into this uh, obscure, weird outdoor summer series that we don't hear a lot of during the winter. Uh, what is your thoughts coming in and are you, how excited are you to, uh, to see uh, these guys really put their skills on display because uh, supercross is one thing, but motocross is not only something we can relate to, but uh, honestly, in my mind, a hundred percent more gnarly. I love, I love this time of year. Cause it's, uh, you know, to be honest at the beginning of supercross, I'm always super psyched for supercross. And by the time we get a couple rounds from the end, I'm, kind of burned out on it and i'm ready to start the outdoors so it's, uh that's the nice thing about the series you know it goes on for a little while a few months by the time it's over i'm ready to uh come back to the other series so um 
motocross definitely separates the men from the boys in terms of endurance and fitness and uh it's less predicated on just out and out skill and a lot of times guys with a little less uh natural ability can rise to the top so um i always love the the outdoors it's, it's awesome it's like root, the real grassroots of the sport you know totally and uh and mike being a guy who's uh, spent some time living in uh, in SoCal uh, and and have, taking photos at some of these uh, tracks that uh, uh, that we're going to be uh, watching in the coming weeks. Uh, first of all, what do you prefer to shoot, Supercross or Motocross? And uh, um, think, of, give me three guys in both the 250 and 450 class that you would love to get your lens on. Uh, I actually I prefer outdoors. Uh, just, you know, more natural light um, and, and way more opportunity for shooting as far as where you can be on the track. Um, Supercross, for those people that haven't had a photo pass before, it's very limited as to where you can be on the track now uh, due to safety concerns. Um, mm-hmm. so, and that's why when you see, like, if you go through the different websites and, and magazines, you'll see a lot of the same angles, uh, photographs, from supercross races and that's simply because you got 20 guys pointing their cameras at the race from you know the same four or five or maybe six spots at the most uh, most often you know even if there's six spots there's only you know two or three really good angles so it, it's, it's yeah. hard to you know it's hard to to find that look that nobody else has at a supercross race where when you're shooting outdoors that's you know a lot more opportunity because you can pretty much be anywhere on the track which is awesome um and then as far as the second question, uh, as far as racing goes, you know, I like the guys that get good angles with their body uh, to shoot as far as, you know, uh, somebody like uh, Marvin. I think Plessinger would be really cool to shoot uh, just for this height. The way he moves around on the body reminds me a little bit of uh, DV or uh, Travis. Uh, and then probably third guy I always enjoy watching ride is, uh, is just Trey. He's just, you know, such a cool style and, you know, the things he could do on the bike are just incredible. So I always managed to uh, get a good shot or two of him uh, at every race I've ever had the pleasure of uh, shooting where he's been racing. So, well, I tell you what a guy that uh, used to take photos here in Manitoba used to do. He would go to these supercross races or motocross races. He would get... Um, like you would get the his his photo um, uh, pass and whatnot. He would take some photos, and he would get those photos. Uh, like he'd take the best photos of of a couple of different guys, and he'd permaplack them. Like he'd make them into a plaque, and then the next race that he'd go to, he'd present them to uh, to these riders in exchange for like uh, a jersey or what. He actually has uh, um, he has in his um, living room the last Ernesto Fonseca jersey. Oh, that's awesome. Isn't that crazy? Because yeah, the last race he would have uh, raced was Minneapolis 2005, I believe. Correct? And uh, yeah, one of the, like the last ones the guy would have ever uh, worn. And uh, yeah, he used to just like exchange those. Something maybe something to think about years down the road. Yeah, no, for sure. That's, that's a cool idea. Uh, so, uh, Tony, we're talking about 450s, the premier class. We'll talk about the little kids later. Um, but um, the 450 class has honestly been one of the more intriguing classes, even though it's been a little bit of a snoozer in the points uh, end of things, because uh, we've seen guys uh, doing really well for, for a couple of weeks. We've seen guys that uh, have been off the mark, then on the mark. And, of course, we've got the wild cards that happen to have the number seven on their bike. Um 
What, what are your overall thoughts of the 450 class uh, without giving any predictions of the summer series? Um, I would say I'm looking forward to it a little more than uh, in years past because it seems like though there might be a little more competition. Um, I think you have at least three, I would say maybe even four guys that you could say have a legitimate shot at the title um, and certainly maybe even a couple more that might have a shot at a win or two. Uh, a lot of times it devolves into a runaway by usually you know Villapoto or Nunji. And I think it will be a little more interesting uh, this year with a little more parity, I think, at the front. It's always, you know, as much as I'm a Dungey fan, I, I like seeing great racing, and I'd much, I'd much rather see it come down to the last moto of the year, you know, than some runaway where uh, some guy's got a 75-point lead with, you know, seven motos to go. That's no fun for anybody. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, this year, more than any other years, I totally agree. Parity is the uh, kind of the... Uh, the mantra of basically how to dissect this series. I'm talking about a series where I could legitimately make a case for nine different guys to, uh, fair, I wouldn't say easily, but uh, legitimately win a race. And honestly, one of those guys would end up having a, a end up somewhere outside the top nine in uh, in points by the end of the year. Incredible to see, given the fact that in the years previous, like a, guy, uh, a year like 2003, when we only had three different guys win motos, let alone only two guys winning uh, winning an overall. So uh, this this brings in a whole other uh, um, kind of wild card to things. And uh, uh, I don't, I by no means think that some of the guys at the front will end up ninth in certain motos. But uh, there's there's a lot of guys with a lot of top end potential, and uh, that's always exciting to see to see where these guys are going to, if they get a great start, can they stick with it? And, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Well, of course, that being said, it could easily end up with, like, two guys that win every race. Or, <laughs> of course. <laughs> every year as, you as, say, as we all seen. hope this, but so often it turns out to be a runaway by somebody. So I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if uh, one of the guys we predict goes on a tear, kind of like Tomac did last year and Dungey has done so many totally. times. But I hope that doesn't happen. I hope it's good to the end. Oh, I, by by all means, I'm sure back in 2002, if there was uh, if there were podcasts, someone would have been talking about Ezra Lusk uh, having a good chance at winning some motos that year. But frankly, it just didn't happen. Right. It's, unfortunately, that's the way it is in this sport. It's kind of weird. And then you know, it's so much of it's mental. One guy has a good race, and uh, the other guy gets a little down or whatever, and seems to not have the uh, ability to snap out of it. Kind of like with with Barsha last year. You know, he probably always had that speed. It, I think it was his mind holding him back. And uh, all it takes is sometimes to flip a switch one way or the other. It's the difference between, you know, getting a fifth or winning. Flipping a switch. I, I see you've uh, been listening to podcasts lately. Yeah, yeah exactly. Was it Matt Riley talked about that flipping a switch? I mean, it flipping cake. switches, yes. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the blame cake later. Um, now, Mike. I, I sent both of you a, uh, a Google Doc uh, with some, uh, basically how I think that the points are going to shake out by the end of the year, and uh, in my grouping of nine riders that could possibly win a race, um, is there anyone on that list that you can immediately scratch off and say, Brad, you're nuts, I don't know what you're smoking, but pass it on? Give me the nine again, actually, I'm sorry, I closed the list because it's on my phone and it's just trying to save some, some juice here. No problem. Tomac, Dungey, Roxon, Anderson, Stu, asterisk, uh, Musquin, or Muske, uh, Kennard, Barsha, Baggett. 
Yeah, it's easy. Anderson won't run a race this year. Anderson won't win a race. No. Bold. He could win a Supercross, but not an outdoor uh, national moto. Okay. He, he hasn't shown. Uh, I'm he, talking just he, one moto, yeah, not an actual overall. Yeah, he hasn't. He hasn't. Sh- he hasn't shown me anything yet in motocross. Um, he's looked fantastic on on Supercross, but I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Or, do you guys have anything to support him winning a moto outdoors against the competition that you just named? For for no other reason than I feel that um, in motocross or anything like that, I've always ridden with who mentally I know I can ride with, and I think in his head he's in there with Muskan and uh, and Dungey. So I feel like he's going to like just mentally put himself there and find the speed. Yeah, me part. I see that. Go ahead, sir. I was going to say if I was going to pick one guy that I would be less likely to think would win a moto, I would say Baggett. Because yeah. I think Anderson's on an up. Yes, to your point, he hasn't showed that that win speed outdoors maybe so far. But I think he's on an upward trend. You know what I mean? He's working in that direction, like you mentioned, you know, riding yeah. the Baker's factory and riding with the fastest guys. And Baggett, ever since he jacked his wrist up like two years ago, I don't know that he's shown anywhere near that kind of speed. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a top five, but... I would be really shocked if Blake Baggett wins a moto outdoors this year. Right, Dude, that's funny because I, I was going to say that I think he will. Because I, I think that's back to the last round at Ironman, and he was fighting tooth and nail with, Rock, uh, with uh, Ken Roxon for for the lead in that particular moto, and uh, showed speed, composure, and we know uh, the El Chupacabra has the uh, the fitness to go the distance. Um, so like, I kind of feel like there might be a time when, uh, if he gets a good start, he can hang up there with the boys and, uh, maybe somebody fades and one kind of falls into his hands a little bit. I mean, anything yeah. can happen. No, I, I think I, I just, I Baggett know. could win a race. Yeah. Tim Ferry won a moto. <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. Well, yeah. So you, you think he is a good, good, would you say you think it's likely he's going to win a moto, Mike? Yeah, no, I, I, I could see him winning a moto simply because. The riders are going to get their bikes out of third gear now, finally, which I'm really looking forward to, by the way. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, if Baggett has one skill, it's holding that throttle on and just keeping it on. And uh, if his wrist is healthy, and I think it is, because I think we saw enough of him in Supercross uh, to, to say that he's able to, uh, you know, to push and pull again on the bars. Um, yeah, I think I think he can win a moto. I think he has a ability. I think, I think we've seen that he's by far a better – outdoor rider than supercross rider and i think he had some surprising results indoors this year uh which also kind of showed that he had a strength and fitness back uh so yeah i can see him winning outdoor like i i put uh baggett winning a moto over barsha winning a moto really uh based on his current barsha's current mindset uh, i mean it's not like baggett set the world on fire in supercross either to be honest i mean maybe but yeah. he's got that ugly just one helmet, so that thing is terrible. I'm sorry. I was My dad thinking. was talking about that earlier today with the fact that Tim Geiser is sponsored by all of all sponsor of all companies Fox with their like the is the the V4 like great looking helmet. Couldn't couldn't say enough good, good things about that helmet. But no, he uh, like the guys over at Just One must have naked pictures of him or something because. <laughs> 
compare those those arrows are terrible. Well, you know, back to Baggett. I um, I mean, obviously he is a national champion, so he's shown he has the speed. It just seems like I, I just can't think I've seen that kind of raw speed on the 450 yet. But I, I hope I'm wrong. I'd love to see him contend. You know, like I said, the more guys that are up front, the, the better it is for the racing. I, I I'd love. To, I oh, hope sure. you're right. But you know, I, I would I would be surprised. But hey, he might come out and smoke everybody at Hangtown. I have no idea. Well, if he's going to smoke anywhere, anyone anywhere, it's probably uh, Glenn Helen, because if we do remember at the tail end of his 250 career, he literally was a shareholder of that of that uh, that track and uh, basically had the keys to open it up and uh, do work on that track and uh, basically uh, make that his private uh, riding facility about six days out of the week. So, um, yeah, look, look, look for uh, Blake Baggett to do well uh, in, in California as well as, um, yeah. Like, I, I think people will be more surprised of, of uh, Blake Baggett this particular year. Hope so, you're right. Um, I guess I could be wrong. <laughs> Let's talk about an, uh, like before the elephant that's in the room. Let's get him out of the way because he might be uh, out of the series before uh, before it, it really seems to matter. But um, what do you guys think about the seven? Uh, Mike Webb posting on Instagram yesterday that uh, they're t- dialing things in for uh, for Hangtown. Um, we've seen James go twenty three and one. On a 125, we've seen him go 8 and 0 on a 125. We've seen him go 24 and 0 on a 450. We've also seen him go two, uh, 1 1 or 4 and the rest DNFs. So, um, what stew is going to show up? I think the stew is going to show up. It's going to be the one that doesn't finish more than four motos. Under four motos. Tony. I, I uh, agree. Unfortunately, all three of us agree that uh, <laughs> I don't think I don't think the seven uh, leaves the paddock uh, after uh, outside of California. Yeah, how can I was, I was talking to this about some guys that met life is you know he has a cracked ankle how and he's out of shape how is he possibly going to be in outdoor shape in this week? on a cracked ankle when he was already out of shape for Supercross. Not to mention and, headaches, a bad back, and a knee problem. Yeah, I mean, how is that possibly going to work? You know, if, if you told me that he was shutting it down until Red Bud so that he could train and get in shape, maybe I'd change that, you know, for the final half of the season. But, yeah, as it is now, it, it's, he's, in the, he's, he's repeating the same circle of mistakes that he made leading the Supercross. Yeah, like I, like, I, like I don't. Like, I love seeing James Stewart ride a motorcycle, but it's like, go home, get healthy, and if you're able to come back as you were, do so. Otherwise, please let me remind, remember you as the ass kicking, two stroke riding Kawasaki one twenty five rider that we love so much. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, am I am I wrong, Tony? Like, honestly, I feel like. I've already like I'm like if I think back to James Stewart like if I if I think about James Stewart the way you guys think about Brock Glover I'm going to think about James Stewart like from 2002 to like 2008 and then I'm going to forget that he existed like that's 
Is that kind of how you guys think about Brock Glover before he like went to KTM for a short period of time? <laughs> for sure. Uh, that was only like one year, thankfully. So I just pretend he didn't go to Europe that year. But he still won a moto, though, if I remember right. But um, you know what I mean, though. Like I do. Like, I do. You, you I think of guys in their golden years. And yeah, of course. You don't remember like when I think of my hero was Rick Johnson. I remember when he was kicking ass. I don't remember that last year and a half, whatever, when he was struggling with the broken wrist. You know that that part is like that's ah, you know you kind of even think about it. So you're right. Um, I think what was crazy to me to think today is. Um, how how long it's been since Stu uh, went that twenty four hour? It's almost been a decade. You know, we're coming up on you know uh, eight years. Eight years very shortly, and that 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 kind of was pretty sobering when you think. Yes, he's shown a lot of speed on and off um, in Supercross a couple of years ago. You know, he won several events and stuff. But man, I don't know. It's it's been <clears throat> he's had so many problems, so many injuries, one right after another for so long. Then he had that exile for a year because of the drug thing um, and he didn't yep. come back you know like he should have from that 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 was really puzzling it's almost like what happened with Bradshaw and you know he got his knee done and he came back and he wasn't really into it anymore and I, I want I wonder how much James is really into it anymore and how much this whole thing is driven by all the money he's got invested in seven and uh, you know obligations because you, you have to wonder it's like how many times do you want to keep doing this? You know, we see how much money he's made. He ought to be able to say, heck, you know, just retire and to heck with it. But he's also lived a pretty lavish lifestyle with like cars and compounds and all the man friends and everything that goes along with it. And, uh, you got to wonder if he's, he feels like he, he, yeah, if he feels like he can just walk away from it. I mean, how, how, how long do you think seven lasts if, if Stewart's not out there? I don't know. You know, I mean, Chuck Sun had his own line of gear too. How long did that go? Um, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. no, exactly. <laughs> I mean, Bob too. too, for that matter. Yeah, exactly. Some yep, guys have done that, and it's you know, I don't know. I, 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 I've never been a Stu fan in terms of like some of the nonsense that goes on with him and his family and the way he treats other people on the track. But I appreciate his riding ability, um, and I, I do love watching him ride. Um, but man, I just haven't seen that guy in a long time, and. It's it's sad because like what you said, Mike. You know he's injured. He's been nothing but injured all year. So you know he's not grinding it away, getting in shape. And the outdoors, exactly. You know, if you're going to have a discipline that's going to allow you to work around that kind of thing, it's going to be Supercross, where in theory his skill and ability would be able to overcome, um, you know, maybe a lack of fitness. But outdoors, it's so much more about your physical strength. That I think that even compounds it even worse. You know, if he if what he needs to do is sit on the couch with his leg up and get better, you know that that's all well and good, but it's sure as hell not going to help him when the gate drops. You know. Yep. It's, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I just um, if if he is to come back, I want him to. I I only want him to do so if he feels like he can. If he can win again, if he can, and not just win again, but be the the confident guy he was walking to the line in two thousand nine, two thousand eight, like it's just it's um and like I I feel like so, like someone needs to like if he's if he's not going to be that guy, someone needs to go up to James Stewart and say it's okay, you don't have to be making, James Stewart anymore. Who's making that decision too? I mean, is that him making the decision or is he being told it? You know, and that's the thing you got to. When you get to a certain point of failure, you're hurting your brand name, and he's got to look at that too. I mean, you know, 
So, you know, I hope that somebody is factoring that in if it's, if it's not him. So, Yeah, like I, I would rather be the guy who people wonder if there was more in the tank than be the guy who everyone was like, yeah, he was fucking done when yeah. he fucking left. Like, yeah. um, I don't want him to be like uh, Martin Brodeur, if I'm going to make a hockey reference, and like barely stringing wins together in his last year of pl- just trying to get records. Like, yeah. that's not how I want my stars to go out. Like, honestly, like everyone always like kind of bet, oh, Ricky could have won for X Norway. Like, yeah, maybe he could have. Who knows? Yep. We're never going to know. And that's the best part. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like that famous story about Joe DiMaggio where he played so hard every time he played. And I think it was Mickey Mantle when he was, when he was coming up asking him, he said, Joe, why did you always play so hard? He goes, because you never know when that person is seeing me for the first time and it might be the only time he ever sees me. I don't want somebody to leave saying he sucked. <laughs> there you go. So let's, uh, Stu has been put to bed, uh, and uh, I believe that uh, in 2017 he uh, will be on a motocross track, uh, and it'll be a different color, but uh, that's for a later podcast. Um, let's, uh, let's move into uh, your, your top three prediction, or like, I guess your top three contenders for this. I think if all three of us uh, had to uh, swallow some truth theorem, we would agree that all the three top guys that have a legitimate shot at this championship, Eli Tomac, Ryan Dungey, and Ken Roxon, um, Tony, uh, what order do those three fall for you and why? Well, I think obviously <clears throat> I would say Ryan Dungey would be number one for obvious reasons. Um, he still has shown that he has plenty of speed, hasn't slowed down any. He's on a great bike. Uh, I think he's got his fitness to uh, peak efficiency. I don't think there's anybody who's going to outlast him. I think he's maybe going to be um, – outrun in raw speed at a round or two maybe you know something like Eli or Roxon certainly um might be a little faster than him but they haven't shown the ability thus far to be as consistent as well so I think I don't know that Ryan dominates like he did in Supercross uh for most of the year but I think in the end he's the champ um and second I would say I'm going with Kenny just because he lately has really been the guy who's stepped it up um and he has shown the ability to run with ryan pass ryan run away from ryan um he did he beat him two years ago outdoors for the title um so i think he's a legitimate shot it wouldn't shock me if he ended up you know winning the title in the end but i still think he's probably my pick for number two uh eli i don't know if he has got his program 100% still, he's, he might still be trying to get that uh, Kawasaki dialed in 100%. I don't know for sure if his shoulders are 100 You know, it's like the guys always tell you they're great, but just like, you know, like Cooper Webb, hey, you know, I don't have a broken wrist. Well, you don't know what the real story is there. Um, I think that Tomac certainly, it wouldn't shock me if he went out and smoked everybody like he did last year, but uh, I don't think other than, with the exception of Daytona, I don't think he's really shown that speed this year. So those would be my top three in that order. There you go. So, uh, same question to you, Mike. Yeah, I'm going to be contrary to what Tony said because agreeing with him would be boring. So, I'm going to make Perfect. the case that I'm going to make the case that Eli will come out and dominate just as he did last year. Uh, 
just because he has that confidence in his speed and his outdoor speed. And he's a much better outdoor rider, as we've seen, than he is in Supercross. He's had the Supercross season uh, and quite a bit of outdoor testing to get that green machine dialed in. And uh, I think I think Eli's going to come out with all cylinders firing, just like he did last year. I think it'll be interesting to see if anybody has any answers for him. Uh, and then as far as second and third go, I think we're going to see pretty much kind of a, a moto-to-moto dogfight uh, between Eli and Dunge. Uh, I think they're going to be very close, and I'm, I'm hoping that they're, they're literally swapping paint all the way around the track. Well, I think you're right, uh, Mike, and uh, I think that as far as speed goes, Tomac is going to be the uh, far and away uh, fastest guy on every single weekend, if not uh, very close to every weekend. And when it comes down to a fight for second place, I really think that if the if Ken Roxon and Ryan Dungey do in fact end up uh, trading paint, I think that uh, Ryan Dungey could find himself on the uh, losing end of it. My prediction. Uh, Ryan Dungey in the third place position, not second, uh, with uh, with Ken Roxon in the second place, and uh, your uh, your your champion, and uh, wrapping it up at least two rounds early, Eli Tomac. Wow! All right, I think I think it's something in the water up there in Canada. That's all I can say. <laughs> hey, you can't even say that I, I, I'm rooting for my, my home manufacturer because uh, I've recently changed brands. That's true. That's, That's true. funny. Hey, wait, Tony, Tony, didn't you mean to say we are not going to lose the championship? We will not be losing this championship. How dare you? <laughs> exactly. How dare you, sir? <laughs> Good day to you, sir. <laughs> we already have this wrapped up. Exactly. We won't let this uh, slip through our fingers. Absolutely not. <laughs> right on. Uh, well, you know what, boys? Um, as far as the, the rest of the, the guys fizz, uh, sort themselves out, um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go through a couple of names and uh, start with Tony. Then I'll go to Mike. Um, overall points by the end of the year, uh, Tony. Uh, Anderson or Anderson or Musquin? Ooh, um, I, you know, actually, um, I think Marvin. I, I, I like Marvin. I think he's done some fires with people this summer. I mean, he was uh, super fast at a lot of rounds in the two fifties, and um, Anderson, like, like, kind of like what Mike was saying earlier. I'm not so sure that Anderson. Um, I think he's going to show a lot of flashes of speed, but he's been pretty inconsistent. Uh, actually, both of them, to be honest. Yeah. But in the end, I, th- I think I'd go with Mustin. Fair enough. And uh, Mike, same same pair. Uh, I would go with Muskin as well. I think uh, I think he's one of those guys who's coming in to the outdoor series a little under the radar. Um, I think he's a better 450 rider than 250 rider. I think he's going to get some really good results uh, outdoors this year. All right, Tony, Canard uh, or Barsha? Uh, ooh, you know. Man, I like Trey, but he's had a tough run. That's a tough one. Um, I think I'm going with Barsha. I think it is painful. It is is tough because I I love Trey. He's an awesome dude, and I hate to see him keep struggling. But um, at this point, I think I have more confidence in Barsha getting his starts back together. And I think if if Barsha can pull the whole shot, he he could easily finish, you know, top three, no problem. Kennard, man, I don't know. If he had a top three start in two years – 
I mean, maybe the last time he won a moto outdoors two, three years ago was the last time I saw him up front. So um, I would go as far as that. Millville 2007. Yeah, that's about the truth of it, unfortunately. I thought he won uh, a moto at Unadilla two years ago. He did, he, yeah. He, he closed up a series with a couple of wins, shot. didn't he? Yeah, at like Utah or someplace, I think he won. But that's like the last time. I mean, actually, kind of the last time was when he was uh, doing so well at the Monster Cup. I and mean, then ever since that last moto fall, it's been trouble. Fair enough. So, uh, t- Mike, same pair. I'm sorry, who were the pair again? I'm t- totally blank. Kennard and Barsha. Yeah, I would have to give the edge to Trey. I think he's going to, uh, he seemed to be turning things around uh, towards the end of Supercross season. Um, and he seemed to kind of figure out the uh, the whole, you know, dial it down to stay on the bike and finish the season strong. Um, I think I think he is uh, going to be more in his element outdoors as well. So I'll, I'll give him the, the, the uh, up check over, over uh, Bam Bam. And, you know, it, Bam Bam t- and Anderson both, to me, seem to be regressing as the Supercross season continued. Not that Bam Bam never started in any good place, but, um, but to me, Anderson seemed to be on a downward trend uh, somewhat. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. and My perception is just not correct. But yeah. Uh, getting back to the question, I see Kennard. Fair enough. Well, uh, g- giving uh, Tony or Mike the opportunity to uh, take a stab at one of the, one of these pairs first, I'll go with uh, Sealy or Bogle for uh, the the um, the second uh, Honda spot, uh, Mike. Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, neither have ever really impressed me outdoors. Um, I think Bogle is coming into the season with a little more momentum, and I think maybe a little bit better overall health. Uh, so I'm going to go with Bogle. Now, uh, Tony, uh, who's who's your, your second to the top uh, ride red guy? Um, you know, I'm going with Justin. I like, I like Bogle. Um, Sealy, <clears throat> he's got a lot of raw speed at times, but um, I don't know. I don't know how he, he's never really impressed me at all outdoors. I, I remember even Bogle when he rode a little bit last year, I think it, you know, dealer one of the rounds he came out now on a four fifty, and he showed good speed for a while. So I'm, I'll, I'll go with Justin. Uh, when it comes to outdoors, I feel like uh, is where it really shows that Sealy is uh, one of the, is a, is a, a top factory rider who at one point was on his way out of the sport, possibly wasn't going to continue racing. And uh, like, uh, that's the type of uncertainty of a guy who really doesn't feel like he could get it done at one point. And uh, um, outdoors is, is, is kind of like, like Supercross is kind of like you're hitting spots and you're, you're, you're capturing intensity for a short amount of time and almost uh, finessing the motorcycle around the track in an aggressive way, if that makes sense. But, um, outdoors is where the boys, the men come to play and, uh, just muscle these bikes around. And, uh, uh, you must have to have a bit of a mean streak in you to be able to go that quickly outdoors. And, uh, I don't feel like Sealy has the ability to, uh, pull that out, that out of him. That's why I put, uh, the Geico rider, uh, ahead of him in the overall points. Um, Predictions for uh, for Weston Pike this year. Where do you guys uh, feel he will be? What, where's his range, and uh, where do you feel like he's going to be um, more often at? Uh, starting with Tony. 
I would think Weston's probably able to uh, maybe get a fifth on a good day. Uh, he's had a tough year so far. You know, he doesn't seem to be riding nearly as well as he was last year. It wasn't like um, he was blazing fast outdoors last year. He was, seemed like he was better in Supercross. So I would put him probably maybe in 10th or 11th by the end of the series. You know, maybe a top five might be attainable on a good day, but um, I, I'm not so sure. Like I said, it. you know, Mike was talking about turning downward. It just seems like this year, since I'm a little bit more of a tough year. Yeah, no, honestly, it's uh, um, a tough year for Weston Pike. He really has to put in some uh, some uh, results, which uh, puts pressure on a guy who's already coming in, uh, maybe a little bit nicked up, and uh, that is kind of just almost spells more issues going into a problem that uh, he doesn't really want to have to like uh, uh, deal with. But you know what? This is a guy who's also uh, kind of um, made the best of some pretty adverse conditions. Uh, Mike, do you feel like uh, a little bit of pressure might uh, bring out the best in Weston or uh, maybe have a complete meltdown at some point? I don't know that he's going to have a meltdown. I think he's going to stay pretty consistent. Um, and I think that he's having somewhat the same, facing the same challenges that, uh, that Stewie did, just on a, on a lesser scale. And that I think he kind of got a little bit beat up. And I think that, you know, you get behind that eight ball and once you get behind it, you know, it, it's hard to get ahead of it because, you know, there's no time to, to recover and heal correctly and then get fitness back, uh, you know, to be ready for the next season. Uh, we're just going from one to the next, basically. And, you know, getting a couple of weeks rest, you're going to, you know, maybe give your muscles and tendons some rest. But, you know, if you've got some, some, you know, cracked bones or joint issues, you know, they're not going away in two weeks. So, and my guess is I think Weston's been fighting through some injuries. And that's kind of explains his regression through the through the Supercross season. I think until he gets everything straightened out, I think I don't think you're going to see a dramatic improvement in results to him until next year when he's had an off season to uh, to recover from all those nagging injuries. I know. Well, they, uh, yeah. I heard that he tweaked his wrist at Vegas. Has anybody heard if that was like a serious thing or just a minor issue? You know. Uh, I don't think it was super serious, but definitely kept him off the bike for uh, a couple of days, and he'll be nursing that. And uh, I, uh, if I look closely, one of his I think is one of his last Instagram pictures featured a, a wrist brace. So uh, if, if you think of a guy like him um, wearing something like that, definitely protecting that and uh, not like anytime you're adding more. Um, like less freedom to your your mobility on the motorcycle. Uh, it, it takes uh, tenths of seconds off of uh, off of your your pace. So uh, I, I think uh, the kind of Mike or um, Pike is uh, is up against it big time coming into this season or this this particular uh, summer series. And uh, but only time will tell. Honestly, uh, this could be a thing where uh, he's from SoCal. Uh, he, he's He's used to riding in California. Uh, these next couple of tracks might be uh, a, a couple of good finishes. Is exactly what he needs to get uh, rolling and, and do well throughout the, the, the rest of the nationals. Um, but uh, yeah, well, I guess we'll, 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 we're only going to find out. Um, what do you guys think about the the, the other Frenchman, the three digit guy that uh, seems pretty blasé uh, about uh, racing dirt bikes these days? Christophe Purcell, um, he's had some uh, Oakley bombs in the last little while. He's great in qualifying. Uh, we know he's fast, but can he put in motos? Right now, I have him slated fifteenth in points. 
Tony? Wow. Well, I think he got a pretty good finish overall last year in the points, but um, I don't. I don't see him winning a motor or being a threat. I mean, that's the thing. I don't think he's willing to push to that point for a whole moto, and he seems to be a little bit more leery in traffic and stuff. So I would put him probably – I think he'll still finish in the top 10 just because he's got so much raw talent. But um, I don't see him doing better than like a fifth in any moto at any point. Even then, he's probably got to get like a top one or two start and just kind of hang on. He's not certainly not going to run anybody down from behind, I don't think. No, every time I see him whip a motorcycle, I see that white back fender and think of something familiar that uh, the French are used to. Oh, that's brutal. That's brutal. <laughs> <laughs> Love my French listeners. Uh, Mike, uh, similar sentiments? You know, if he wins a moto, it will be at Unadilla. Uh, Scott knows he can ride that track. Um, so... But yeah, I think I think we're pretty much going to see uh, CP and the you know the you know the eight to twelve range. I think is pretty much where I put him if I was picking him for fantasy. Um, you know, certain tracks he's going to finish better. Uh, he might come out and win Unadilla. <laughs> you know, he did it a couple of years ago. So uh, you know, with him too, I think a lot of it depends on how happy he is with bike setup. So. You know, he goes into the season with, you know, a good setting on that Husky and, you know, might surprise people. No, oh, I, I, uh, I, I'm interested to see how uh, Purcell will do, but, um, like for me, like I did get so frustrated watching the race and seeing a guy who, uh, especially like when the announcers talk about him like fighting back or trying to like, uh, like you see the guy, like he doesn't look backwards the same way Alessi does, but the guy, he's just like, oh, you're going to pass me. Oh, you're going to pass me. Yeah. Oh, you're going to pass me. And it's just like, it gets me riled up because I only imagine what I, I, what I would try to do with that amount of talent. But uh, nevertheless, uh, it's time to, uh, to round out our predictions for the championship. I'm talking one guy. Uh, I guess we talked about it earlier, but to reiterate, Tony, you're picking the number one. Yes, we are going to win that title. Stamp it. Yeah. Nice. And uh, and Mike and I are both picking uh, the number three to be uh, carrying the number one next year in 2017, correct? Bring that title home to Colorado, baby. Oh. <laughs> uh, any truth to, uh, to you moving back to Colorado at some point there, uh, Mike? Yeah, there's talk of it. Uh, you never talk. know. You never know. Uh, a good friend of mine uh, on, on, uh, on Instagram uh, dropped dropped a, uh, a hint in my ear on that one. But uh, um, let's move on to the two fifties. But before we do that, we're gonna hit some commercials to that uh, that pay the bills. At least most of them kind of do. Um, we'll be right back here on the Big MX Radio Podcast Show, brought to you by Bills Pipes. Hey everybody, this is Jimmy Button, former factory Supercross rider. You're listening to the Big MX Radio Show. We're going to take it to the commercial, and we'll be right back. When it's time to turn heads, Spokeskins has you covered. Whether it's dirt bikes, street bikes, or bicycles, nobody does it better than Spokeskins. Mix and match your spokes, or go with the same color all the way around. Either way, Spokeskins is the way to go to customize the look of your bike. Uniting off-road riders on every end of the budget spectrum 
Spokeskins is aimed at giving you the custom look without the custom price tag. If you're looking to set your bike apart from the rest of the herd, turn some heads, and be able to change your bike's look on the fly, head to spokeskins.net. They don't just have spokeskins on their website, they've got more. New products are being added all the time, like the Motul Slacker Digital Sag Scale, and just recently, Galfer Off-Road Series Rear Brake Lines, Oversized Rotor Kit, and Front Brake Lines as well. So do what I did. Head to spokeskins.net today, place your order, and get set up to turn some heads out there. Spokeskins, we've got you covered. Deft Family Gloves. Deft means showing cleverness and skill in handling things. What you want to see in football and basketball is some deft handling of the ball. Some people are physically deft, like accomplished athletes, motorsports professionals, and martial arts masters. Their movements are fast, graceful, and deliberate. Others might be mentally or intellectually deaf. You could describe a beautifully written essay as deaf, or talk about a politician's deaf work on an anti-bullying bill. The source of deaf is the Old English gedeft, meaning mild or gentle, which became deft in Middle English along with its meaning of apt, skillful, and adept. Deft family represents a united family of athletes, artists, and creative individuals inspired by the underground lifestyle. Founded by a core crew of friends, influenced by music, arts, culture, sport, faith, and fashion. We provide the essentials of the modern day movement through a vision of free-flowing culture. Formed by motivation and necessity for change through passionate minds while remaining ahead of the mainstream, common, and popular beliefs. Hashtag Deaf Family is not just a brand, it's a lifestyle. We are deaf. All Deft Family product and merchandise is shipped directly from Temecula, California and handled with care. So head on over to deftfamily.com, explore the website, and find out all things deft, and become part of the deft family. If there's one item to be picky about, it's choosing the right helmet. I'm Andrew Short, and I choose the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. You too can wear the exact same helmet I wear, Trey Kennard wears, Jimmy Albertson wears, and many others. The F2 Carbon is a helmet loaded with details that make a huge difference in comfort and safety. Lightweight materials, phenomenal airflow, and a super comfortable sweat-absorbing liner and generous eye port design to accommodate any goggle choice are just a few. And did I mention how super trick these helmets look? Straight off the shelf and onto the racetrack. If you are looking for one amazing helmet, look no further than the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. For more information about Fly Helmets and other products from Fly Racing, visit them on the web at flyracing.com. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with Oats and Bran. Oats and Bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us. Amigos with brand, bad bull. 
Marshall B's Emigos. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey, kids, start out every morning with a fat ball. In motocross, everyone wants one common thing. To simply enjoy the ride. Sand, clay, loam, or concrete, and everything in between. Riders all want to be able to enjoy their ride. But today is Arena Cross, tomorrow is Glen Helen, and Saturday we're heading to this gnarly sand track. How can we be sure our suspension is always dialed in? For most, employing a full-time practice technician is unrealistic, and even for those who have one, setting suspension is still a chore. Get a measuring tape, scratch a mark on the fender or rear number plate, and attempt some backward math to find 105 millimeters. Does this tape even have millimeters on it? Forget that. Head to motool.co today and set your sag every time you ride with the Slacker Digital Sag Scale. Let's hear from Johnny K. Spear himself on how this thing works. So uh, really basically you would just uh, stick it on your axle with the magnet, stick the clip on your side plate basically where the arc of the axle would hit the side plate and then uh, pull out the retractable cable, hook it to the clip and turn it on and then just take the bike off the stand and, and take a measurement. It's that easy. Trust tuning your suspension to Johnny Casebeer and Motul MX. Two thousand and fourteen X Brand Goggles is back and better than ever. From the Scatter X, Volcano and Phantom Goggle, X Brand has the product to make you stand out on race day. The quality of X Brand products is second to none. Great lenses, incredible frame, and a strap that doesn't wear out. Great tear offs, zip off systems, nose guard and more. Check out EKSBrand.com for all of the accessories and pricing. WUSA is your one-stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up WUSA.com, that's D-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A.com right now and check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims, pick your hubs, pick your spokes, even pick your nipples and see what it's going to look like on your bike. On the website, you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, Talon and Kite aluminum hubs, Galfer and Brembo brakes, and spokes that take a licking and keep on ticking. The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys who are building wheels for Ryan Dungey, Jeremy Martin, Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, they are not told whose wheels are whose, they just build amazing product. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did and head to WBYAUSA.com today. WUSA, all things wheels. What's up, guys? It's time to talk a little bit about Roy Borden Race. He's the performance specialist suspension, making a motor work, balancing a bike, or just maintenance. 
he's got the tools and know-how to make sure that your bike is ready on race day or practice. Roy Gordon has strength in years of experience and the best technology and best tools at his disposal. Whether you're getting your forks redone, seals, or a full, full-blown full rebuild on your forks or, or shock, call up Roy Borton today at 204-633-2722. Hey guys, Bill's Pipes is back, and that means the return of legendary performance. Two strokes, check. Four strokes, check. Since 1974, they've been tuning power at its finest for motocross racers, off-road racers, you name it. For you two-stroke lovers, the MX2 Bill's Pipe exhaust system is flat out the right choice to make. Nickel, works, and the brand new cone look is the right system for the job. When it comes to four-strokes, Bill's Pipes brings the RE13 to decimate the field anywhere Anytime. So if you want the same pipe used by Billy Leninovich, Sean Collier, Vicky Golden, and the entire Barn Pros Home Depot Yamaha team, head over to BillsPipes.com today and never settle. Hey, this is Alex Ray. I don't know if, why you're listening to Brad's podcast, but I'll be back on soon. Hey, this is Zach Cummins. All you hosers, quit listening to Nickelback and jump on over to the Big MX Radio Show. Hey, guys, this is Kate Clayson, and not only do I blow uh, Alex Ray's doors off in the track, but I do it at K1 speed, too. And we're back. Bill, Big MX Radio Podcast Show talking 250s with uh, two guys that know a whole lot about motocross. Uh, neither of them are very fast on bird bikes, but they bench like race, race like no other, and that's why we have microphones and uh, we're on a cell phone call all together. Of course, it's still Mike Sweeney, who is uh, one of the the best motocross photographers uh, on this globe. He's a good friend of mine. That's why I say nice things about him. And then we've got uh, Anthony Antonio Blazier, uh, who is a, a motocross historian of sorts and uh, likes to likes to hashtag Katoom when talking about uh, KTM's. Tony, let's talk 250s, uh, otherwise known as the 125 class. Um, and uh, like as we were talking off air, not the deepest field in the world, considering uh, both of our Supercross champions have bowed out. Yeah, that's pretty lame. Uh, I'm, I am super bummed that Mookie's not riding, you know, especially in this last year. And I understood last year a little bit, obviously, because he had that issue at Bud's Creek with his kidneys and stuff. But... Uh, this year, I don't think that's an excuse. It's it's super super lame in my opinion. But um, I, honestly, I don't know that he would have been a, a title threat anyways. But it's always nice to have those guys out there. Um, other than that, yeah, when I'm looking at the list of the riders, yeah, it is. It, at least it looks on paper like it ought to be another runaway by the champ. But especially with Cooper with his wrist injury and stuff, you know, he says he's going to ride, um, but. I just don't see him being much of a threat with the busted navicular, you know. Oh, uh, was was Cooper Webb not officially ruled out uh, earlier this week? I, I, I talked to him yesterday for a minute. He said he was riding, so I don't know. Okay. I mean, but again, he was also telling everybody that uh, he was uh, he didn't have his wrist wasn't hurt. So yes, and uh, we also thought that uh, Villapoto was going to be in the line in 2014. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, like, uh, I, I, I don't know. I think, honestly, um, 
Jeremy Martin is staring a, uh, a third number one plate uh, dead in the face, and uh, if he rides the way he knows how to ride, this is going to be a boring-ass summer. And unless somebody can do something about it, it's and he's not the kind of guy to give something up. He's he's very consistent. He's fast. He knows he has the fitness to go, and uh, just that that confidence that he has in his voice when he talks about outdoors. Like I listen to his interviews, and you talk about Supercross, and he's like, yeah, like you can tell in his voice, like yeah, I know, I struggle there. I'm working on it. But let's talk about outdoors where I just crush people, and um, yeah, like it, it, it's going to take a special season from uh, one of these other guys to make it happen because uh, one weekend, couple weekends isn't going to do it. You've got to be there all 12 uh, races and uh, if if you can, you'll be there at the final round to fight it out for the uh, the championship but uh, the only way this, this uh, series wraps up early is if uh, if Jeremy Martin is standing on the top of the box uh, in, in round 11. Yeah, I mean, I think the only hope that any of these other guys have is he has shown a propensity to get bad starts outdoors um, and indoors too, for that matter. So like last year, a couple of times he had, you know, subpar finishes because he got caught up in the first turn or dropped his bike or whatever else happens there. And that might open the door. I mean, I think his, uh, his teammate Plessinger would be a, um, a real threat possibly this year. And of course, if, if Cooper Webb does ride and he's okay, he's a legitimate shot for the title. But, um, I think it's Jeremy's title lose for sure. Totally agree, Mike. Uh, what are what are your thoughts? And uh, if Jeremy Martin is your favorite walking into this, I think he's most people's favorite. Who is your uh, your kind of your the the number one contender um, as far as challenging him for this championship? Gotta go with Savachi, um as far as contention goes. Um, but yeah, as far as Jeremy goes, I mean, you just look at his program top to bottom. I mean, you know, he's got that fantastic Yamaha. He's got the uh, the training and, and mental coaching and everything else by Osho. Uh, he's got the confidence. You know, everything is there. I feel, like Tony said, the only thing with him uh, that's not there is the starts. So, you know, and anything can happen. You know, he starts running into some bad luck or something that could make the series Interesting. I think, uh, I don't know if call is a surprise or not, but I think you're going to see a lot of good results from Aaron Plossinger this year, too. Uh, you know, he showed last year that he can win a moto and a, a race overall, be it uh, a muddy race. But, uh, you know, he, he showed some good some good riding in Supercross this year. I think he's, uh, I think he's going to surprise some people uh, outdoors this year. Uh, and, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing... Uh, what comes out of the uh, the pro circuit track too, as far as you know, the young talent coming out of there with Forkner and you know Adamson Sorello being back on the bike finally, and you know see what happens if well, he it's Adam's rookie season. Didn't you know that? Yeah, seems like it. But, you know, if Adam comes out blazing and uh, starts getting some confidence, God knows he's got the talent. If, if the fitness is there as it should be, you know it can make an interesting season. I am so Tony. curious to see how how that works out, whether Adam will, um, you know, be up front. It's pretty amazing how he, so much hype and it hasn't, just hasn't worked out. It's going to be fascinating to see if, if he is healthy, if he well, can run the pace, you know? 
Well, that's he's my the, question to you, Tony. If he's healthy, if all systems go for Adam Cianciarello, how many races of being successful would it take for him to uh, feel uh, have his mojo back? It's not going to take one one race and all of a sudden flip a switch. How many uh, good weekends does he need to uh, be like, yeah, I'm back, I can do this, let's charge for a championship? Because like I like, uh, I um. Mike just said, I think there's only one or two guys in this whole field other than Jeremy Martin that even have a national win, let alone uh, um, like uh, anything else or any type of championship. So uh, like it's it's really on the shoulders of, of Plessinger and uh, the two other uh, the, the pro circuit guys. And uh, I, I think honestly that's uh, that, that's your championship comes down to those four guys. Well, I mean, as to Cincerello, I actually disagree. I, I think it's I guess only he knows what his fitness is like and his shoulder and his wrist and everything as far as that goes. But let's assume that his shoulder and his wrist is not a problem. I, I think if he comes out and he can win a moto, I I really think he would believe that he has the speed to run off. I mean, look how great he was that first year in Supercross. He went right out and started winning right away. And, um, yeah, he's had a couple of tough years. But I don't think it's the same kind of deal like it is with Stu where, you know, you've had – so many years of success and then you get beat down with injuries it's a lot harder when you're 31 um i think any of us who had a few years on the clock there know that it's a lot harder when you're 31 than you're 21 to bounce back from that stuff um i mean adam is still really young i think if he could go out and um actually hold on for a moto win i think immediately he's a legitimate title threat but that being said um i, I i'm not ready to say that's going to happen i mean it, he just as easily could go out there and you know, get fifth, six, seventh, or eighths. I don't know. Um, I, I agree with Mike in that I think Savachi is probably my number two in terms of um, a real title threat. I think he realistically uh, could run the pace uh, with Jeremy on a good day. I, I just don't know if he's got the speed to hold on for, you know, the 12 rounds or however many to, to really take it to the end. Well, I guess we'll have to see. You know, he was he was fast some outdoors last year, but it wasn't like he was pressuring him um, often. You know. No, I I, I agree. I think uh, we, we time will tell as far as uh, how things will shake out. But uh, Adam Cincerello definitely, I think, coming in with uh, more momentum than years prior where, uh, like, with the, the whole Salmonella thing and then coming off of the injury, I think he's had more time of healthy riding. Uh, I believe he started riding um, right before uh, right before Santa Clara is when he first started doing like, a lot of riding. So he's had at least a month of hard motoing, and uh, he's never really got off the road bike, so he should be in shape that way. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to find out. Um, Mike... What uh, what do you make of this like uh, the the guys who spent so much time getting ready uh, for for outdoors having raced the uh, the West Coast guys like uh, well Jesse Nelson had the basically the entire winter off because he had the the injury but he is coming off an injury but uh, guys like uh, Alex Martin Colt Nichols and uh, um, and. Mitchell Oldenburg, guys who race on the on the on the West Coast, who have been uh, dialing in their bikes and getting uh, ready for gate drop in Hangtown for uh, about nine weeks now. Yeah, it's definitely an advantage for those guys, and you know, uh, you know, I think we're going to see some of the East Coast guys that kind of left the series early for various reasons, kind of displaying the same advantage. 
um, you know, they're, they're just that little bit step ahead or so. Uh, going back to Cincerillo real quick, too. Um, going into the season, I think the thing I'm most looking forward to seeing is what he does. And I think that's one of the things I'm most interested in seeing, too. Uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of that kid. I just, you know, I think the world of him. I think, I think he's uh, just a great rider, great personality. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens. So when when all the chips fall, obviously the the, uh, the favorite carrying the one number one plate two years in a row now, uh, and uh, and and coming in with uh, basically a seeming like uh, uh, feeling fifty feet tall and bulletproof, Jeremy Martin, uh, Tony, how many overall wins do you give Jeremy by uh, by the time that we're in uh, Iron Man by the end of the year? Wow. Hmm. Uh, overalls. I, I bet he gets at least eight overall wins. I mean, I I, I, th- I think he's going to have a couple of rounds where maybe he gets a crappy start in one moto and, you know, might end up coming back with a second or a third. And maybe somebody else gets lucky and wins, but I think he dominates this. I'll be, I'll be so surprised if he doesn't just smoke the crap out of everybody all year. And uh, and Tony, if uh, if if anyone is going to, uh, um, or if, if there's any way uh, for Jeremy Martin to not win this championship, what would that be? I, honest to God, I think it has to be injury. I think he has to get hurt. Because um, even, even let's say his bike breaks, how often is that going to happen? But maybe a DNF one moto, I think he easily is going to have more than a twenty five point lead going to the last round. So. Um, I think it, he needs to hurt himself in order not to win this title. Um, I don't see him having three or four motors where his bike breaks. So um, maybe a Savachi or, or you know, Aaron Plessinger keeps it close enough that it's not a foregone conclusion. But, um, you know, maybe Cincerello is faster than we think. And uh, But I, honestly, I think it would take a disaster of some kind for him not to win the title. And uh, so, Mike, um, what do you uh, where where does Zach Osborne fit into all of this? Uh, the guy who's uh, unfortunately often forgotten when kind of putting these lists together. Um, he's shown speed uh, both over here and in Europe. Uh, he's he's he, we know he's got fitness. Um, he's trained with the best and uh, at times overtrained to push his body to uh, the very limit. Uh, where does Zach Osborne fit in for you? Um, Outside the top five or inside the top five? Uh, funny you mentioned Zach. I was just thinking about him as we were thinking about as we were talking about other things. Uh, yeah, I, I see Zach as being a fringe podium guy. Uh, I can see him getting up on the box, you know, the third, second place even. Uh, he's a hell of an outdoor rider, and as you said, a lot of experience. Yeah. Uh, he's had some time to relearn the outdoor tracks here in the U.S. and you know, get a good season under his belt. So. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I think he can put it up on the box, and I think he's going to be right in that third, fourth, fifth place all summer. Yeah, I, I agree. I think when I, I don't get an opportunity to watch a lot of the outdoor races live, uh, obviously, like the the channels just aren't available in Canada, and if they are, uh, I, either I don't have them or they're on a, a something else is playing at the time. But when I watch these races on YouTube the day after or following days. Um, I find myself saying one of two things. Holy crap, look at uh, Zach Osborne. Uh, he's absolutely killing it. And then 
I don't like, or I'm saying, holy crap, what the fuck is that Osborne doing out there? Because <laughs> he's either lighting it on fire or blowing it up big time. Like the guy, like he never just gets fourth by himself. It's always like ripping through and like, and, and getting all the way up to fourth place or like a guy who, why is Osborne in 16th right now? Yeah, no middle ground. Yeah, so it's it just very, very perplexing, and I see. I feel like those bad, uh, um, the the stink of the of the bad results seem to stick with him longer than other guys. He needs to have a little bit of a, a shorter memory when it comes to that stuff. Well, he's another one of the guys you know who's had that little bit of extra time to prepare for outdoors. And I think we saw a more consistent result with him uh, in Supercross than we've seen in years past, and you yeah. know I think he's. I think he's maturing as a rider, and I think you're kind of you're going to see that that consistent uh, result finishing uh, reflected in his outdoors this year. I think it's going to uh, just show an improvement all around. So, Tony, um, Jeremy Martin is likely to win this championship. Where do you have his brother fitting in? Um, same, like same as we've seen in the past. Uh, super fast. Uh, some weekends, bad starts and bad luck. Other weekends, uh, where does uh, Alex fall into place? I wow. I want to thought, like, you you know, give coming, you all the all the hard questions. Yeah, no, well, coming well, coming into the season, I thought he was going to have a better seat. You know, on paper it looked like he uh, he had a better bike and maybe not a huge difference, but you'd think he'd do better. But he had a really tough Supercross season. Um, I would love to think that he is going to turn it around and uh, show the speed he had last year outdoors. Um, I don't know, though. Uh, I, I would say he's probably going to finish within the top 10, certainly. Um, he may be a threat to get a, a, a podium at a race or two. He certainly was last year. I think he won one moto, maybe at Bud's. Um, but it's it's hard to see him doing that again. But only, only because he has seemed to struggle so much. He's looked pretty. He's been hard to watch at times, you know. Um, he just seems like it's been off for him. So maybe when he gets outdoors, he'll be a little more in his element and uh, be back up to speed. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I would say if he finishes in the the top ten, he won't be happy with that. I'm sure his goal and his team's goal is probably top five, be right there with his brother. But um, I don't know if that's going to happen. Do you think that Austin Forkner? can win a moto, Mike? No, I don't see him winning a moto. And I've heard, you know, I heard uh, a conversation with Mitch, a podcast on, on, I can't remember if it was on Pulp or on just the Mathis interview where Mitch is very... I don't know who that is. <laughs> it's the other Canadian. Uh, Mitch is very high on Austin with good reason. and it, it looks, you know, from the outside, I don't... I haven't really seen Austin ride except for the Monster Cup. Uh, but everything I'm hearing is that he's going to be the next guy. Uh, but, yeah, I don't see that happening right out of the gate, not against this level of competition. Uh, you know, he might surprise us and get up onto the podium. Uh, but even that, you think about the guys, the seasoned veterans he needs to beat to do that. And uh, that's a tall task, you know, it's a big ask. 
We shall see. I don't know. I think that kid's got a, got some tricks up his sleeve and uh, might be able to just run away with at least one. Uh, and if, if he does run away with it, it'll be one early. I think in either, uh, maybe not Glenn Helen, but uh, like who knows? Maybe this this weekend in Hangtown, the kid just grabs the whole, uh, grabs, a, grabs a good start and just runs away with one. Uh, running on nothing but, uh, but adrenaline. Uh, what about another kid who's a bit of a rookie? He's in the, the, the kind of the, the class of Adam Cienzarolo, but dealt with an, uh, a, a knee injury coming out of uh, Amateurs and then another one last year. But he's shown crazy speed, and I'm thinking with uh, with Cooper Webb's bike on the sideline, maybe a few of those parts might have flo- floated over to the Cycle Trader rig. I'm talking about Colt Nichols. Uh, Tony, do you feel like uh, that... Uh, the, the exit of, of Webb and the uh, um, might might help out uh, Colt Nichols' uh, machine throughout the summer. That'd be interesting to see. Um, he certainly surprised the heck out of me. I mean, I, I honestly, I don't follow amateurs to any great extent. You know, once they turn pro, I, I follow them much more closely. You hear their names, but I don't. You know, I don't go to the amateur events. I don't see this kid's ride in person uh, really until they turn pro. So, um, not a subscriber of the pickle. No, not really. I just never, you know, obviously uh, some people are super into amateur stuff, and it's just, you know, once they turn pro, I'll pay attention. Until then, they're just like a name to me. I don't know much about whether one guy's faster than another. But he did impress me yeah. this year. He, he's been, um, especially after hurting his knee last year and stuff, he's, he's come out and ridden really well. Um, if he does get some uh, works parts from Cooper's bike, I'm sure that would uh, that would definitely help. But even so, he's you know he's shown the speed that you would think he would be easily in the top ten at the very least. I, I agree. I think that uh, the kids uh, kids got speed, and uh, he's also he's, he's he's rangy. He's long. He's got the uh, uh, those long levers that allow you to late in a moto get that leverage to get the front wheel up over some of those bumps that maybe some of the lighter guys or smaller guys can't do. Uh, I think good things for uh, for Colt Nichols. Uh, that's why I have him as a top ten guy. Uh, maybe on the out uh, the back half of that top ten, but uh, I feel like uh, might be able to make some noise and be consistent and definitely a threat uh, in through those uh, Muddy Creek and uh, Ironman races because uh, he's got uh, Robbie Rennert in his corner and uh, that's that's just good for technique, right? Absolutely, you can't get a better guy to teach you technique than Robbie Rennert. That's for sure. Great. So uh, let, let's uh, uh, talk a little bit about the, the track that's come back. Uh, Utah is gone. Uh, the, uh, the the dust storms of, of Utah are are, are forgotten, uh, and we're bringing back the history, the wonderful, and uh, the greatness that is Southwick, the Wick. Uh, with Scotty Cotta and all the other uh, uh, guys of yesteryear who have uh, have ripped that place up. Uh, a um, Mike, do you know of any, um, uh, local that we haven't thought of that we're going to see, uh, jump, jump in, uh, in results for that particular race? Uh, and also how is the Ripper going to do? How's, uh, Jimmy Dakotis, how's he's going to finish off his weekend there up in the wick? Uh, I think you'll see, uh, as always, you'll see a couple of the NESC locals, uh, doing their thing. I, I'm sorry, I don't recall his name, and I honestly I don't follow the NESC scene anymore. Uh, but I was Mike talking, Treadwell. Yeah, no, I was talking to um, yeah, was actually I was talking to Mike Treadwell at Gillette, and I was also talking to uh, to Paul Buckley, 
And uh, it was fun because I hadn't seen Paul for ages. And, uh, you know, it was just like old times when I saw him down at Gillette. And I was like, hey, Paul, you know, how great is it that we get to shoot Southwick again? I was like, dude, you get to, you got your quarterback, man. And he's like, yeah. And, you know, we're both like rubbing our hands with anticipation about shooting that race. So so that's that's very cool. But he was telling me that I guess there's some kid out of the NASC right now that's just dominating uh, the NASC like nobody has since like the, the heydays of uh, – you know, when John Dowd was coming out of there and, you know, you're going NESC one week and the Nationals the next and then back to the NESC. Uh, so, and I don't recall his name, I'm sorry, but I guess there's a good chance that that kid could put it into the top five at Southwick. Um, and the rumor around here is that they have done a ton of work to the track. They have restored it to how it used to be. I've gone back to a right-hand first turn, that long second straight up the hill. Uh, they've brought in a ton of sand. Uh, they bought back the old camel humps down the bottom of the track. Uh, the finish line tabletop, the whole deal, it's like, you know, rewind right back to uh, 1987, which I'm pretty happy with. The, the, bringing in the new sand is definitely huge because a lot of the old stuff that washed out, the base was a lot harder. It wasn't really the sand track that it used to be. Uh, so, yeah, it's switching Utah for South Lake is nothing but positive all around for uh, – for uh, the more clusters. You are making me want to try, drive down there for amateur day. Hey, you can stay with me, man. If you come down, there's always a place for you to stay. You have to sleep on the floor. But... <laughs> Perfect. Well, uh, like uh, that, that's pretty much par for the course for uh, motocross media and, uh, and photographers alike. Yes, no? Yeah, or you might have to share some space with an 85-pound German Shepherd as well. He's friendly. So. He looks like he looks warm and friendly, so we're good to go. Yeah. All right, boys. Uh, rounding out your top, whatever the rest of the class is, guys that are completely interchangeable. And honestly, uh, when they have a nice result, I uh, I, I think that's nice. When I uh, have a bad result, frankly, I don't notice them. Um, Luke Rensland, uh, Mitchell Oldenburg, uh, R.J. Hampshire, McElrath, Jordan Smith. Or and and uh, Mitchell Harrison, anybody out of there uh, kind of jump out at you and say that guy's going to have a good summer? I'd say one guy that that we didn't talk about that uh, ought to at least finish ahead of those guys. At least to me is Christian Craig. Um, oh yeah, Christian Craig. Yeah, I think because when I look at the Geico team, unfortunately, um, you look at most of the Geico team, and I don't know that uh, most of those guys are going to do a whole lot. Uh, as far as being up front, I mean, obviously one of them's a rookie. I don't really know much about him, but I wouldn't anticipate him going out and blowing everybody's doors off. But I think Christian Craig could definitely you know, be a threat for a podium. Um, he certainly don't has sleep plenty of speed. Though, that kid's got speed. Yeah, he's got plenty of speed, and uh, I think depending on how, where his fitness is and stuff, I think he's a legitimate shot to break into the top five. Um, as far as the other guys you talked about. Uh, you know, they're all interchangeable in my mind. I, I don't know. You know, it's it's hard to say if any one of them are going to be, you know, a breakout star above the others. Hmm. I I I I, I can't think of a single guy on their uh, their roster right now who's kind of like a considered a quote unquote outdoor guy. You know what I mean? Like, right. uh, Mike, what, what do you expect from the the Geico team? Not much. <laughs> to be to be blunt. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't understand. They seem to. I, I guess they've just kind of put the majority of their focus on Supercross, and uh, they're kind of 
just letting the, the outdoor thing slide. But I don't get how they go with such a powerhouse Supercross team to, to where they're going into the season uh, with what they're going into uh, for outdoors. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward. But, um, have we talked much about Plessinger? Because if we're not, I don't think we've kind of discussed him enough. And I think he's somebody that is going to uh, have great results this year. I have him as finishing second. Like when I did my list before we did this, I, I said I thought he would, assuming, of course, that Cooper either doesn't finish or pulls out quickly, I'm thinking Aaron has a real shot to be at least second in the, the title chase, personally. Yeah, that's where I'm at, too. Huge step forward for Aaron Plessinger. Uh, and and if uh, if the rains do come at all during the summertime, uh, you can snot him in for some good performances. The kid knows how to ride ruts. Yeah, well, I tell <laughs> you, we need some rain in here. Yeah, yeah, we need trees. Does, does that mean he's good in in uh, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So more, more tree sections in there. He'll have a better shot at winning. He'll be fast in the, the shadows. shadows. You bet. Um, gentlemen, it has been a slice to talk motocross. Uh, the summer series is is back, also known as the. Uh, Pro Motocross AMA Nationals. Uh, I think it's still is it still Lucas Oil? Probably. Um, yep. But uh, no, they don't pay me to plug that, so why am I saying that? Uh, but anyway, um, great uh, great to talk to you guys. Uh, more bench racing to continue, but uh, most like uh, we're, we're not going to record all of that. Thank everyone for for uh, for listening. For anyone who's looking to uh, follow the two of you guys on social media to uh, keep up with all things Tony and Mike, as well as uh, your live tweeting of races and stuff like that, or, or any of your your thoughts on the motocross, where can they find you, Mike? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Sweeney Photo, and on Twitter at M Sweeney Photo, as in Mike M as in Mike Sweeney Photo. And Tony, where can people find you? Even on uh, YouTube, they can find you. That's right. On uh, Instagram and Twitter, it's pretty easy. It's my name. It's Tony uh, with a Y. And then my last name is B-L-A-Z-I-E-R. Um, on Facebook, yeah, it's uh, said Blazer, but it has an I in there. Um, and on uh, YouTube and also on Facebook, uh, just search for the Motocross Vault. And I have, I don't know, 500 videos or thereabouts, classic races there. And uh, there's a lot of nice... Moto-related conversation that goes on on Facebook as well. So if you ever want to hit me up or anything, uh, any of those places, you can find me. Right on, man. Uh, just the other night, uh, took in a uh, the 1996, yeah, 96, I think it was 96. Um, I, I watched 95 and 96, but it was the, the 96 one, was it in Spain? Which one are you talking about? US? Oh, the Motocross of Nations. Yeah, Jerez, Spain. Yeah. Yeah, in in Jerez, Spain, and I'm a trooper because I watched an hour and a half broadcast in Spanish. In Spanish, that's the problem. I had a hard time. You know, I have a lot of the other races, but you know, uh, Duke Video maybe pull them all down. So um, that's one of the few because it probably is in Spanish, and Duke didn't broadcast it. That it's still on my channel. Fair enough. Well, you could always send uh, send a, a, an email link to uh, your good friend Brad if you could <laughs> so for some late night uh, motocross watchings. Well, you know, you, you, need a race, you, you know where to reach me, so it's not a problem. I we have it. That's true. You know what? I, I could just reach out on the many uh, forums that I do contact you on. But, uh, boys, 
Uh, we're going to cut the podcast off right there, but I thank you so much for uh, for joining me here on the Big MX Radio Podcast. We'll have you on again. Thanks for having Thanks. me. Thanks for the invite. Thank you for listening to the Big MX Podcast, brought to you by X-Brand Goggles. Be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed. Check out our website at BigMXRadio.com for more content.